0: Oh, oh, Hey, what's up, everyone? Drew here, and I hope you're having a great day. Thank you for checking out our podcast, 108 North. This is the college podcast for First Baptist Statesboro. And I want to take a quick moment before we dive into the episode to say uh, if you happen to be a college student in Statesboro, whether you're going to Georgia Southern, Ogeechee Tech, or something in between, you're looking for a community and a church to plug into, we would love for you to come hang out with us at First Baptist. We're downtown, big church, 108 North Main Street. May look a little intimidating from the outside, uh, but we would love love for you to come and worship with us and to learn how to grow. We're all about equipping and making disciples. So we have worship services at 8.30 and 11 o'clock every Sunday morning. And in between those at 9.45, we have a college gathering, uh, Bible study that we'd love for you to come join and hang out with. And then if you can't make that for some reason, on Wednesday night, uh, we have a college large group gathering that gathers at 6.30 as well. So love for you guys to come hang out with us. If you want more information, there's notes in the show notes and details and links, uh, and you can always reach out to me. So hope you're having a great day. Thank you for listening. On with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 108 North. This is the college podcast for... Uh, FBC Statesboro. My name is uh, Drew Feltz. I have the great honor of being the college pastor here. And uh, joining me uh, this morning is our lead pastor, John Waters. How are you doing today, John? Good
1: morning, Drew. Glad to be here. I'm excited about the launch of this podcast, 108 North. Good yeah, stuff.
0: It's going to be great. We're really excited about it. Um, you know, we live in some strange times right now and uh, with COVID and everything else going on, it's seems like it's a good way to connect with people, even if they can't connect with us here in person because of a various lot of different reasons. And uh, yeah, so we're excited to see where this podcast goes, uh, you know, but for starting it off this season, kind of our first season, we thought that that maybe the best thing we could uh, do is is have a a book or something to help focus what we're talking about. So for this inaugural season of the podcast, we're talking... Uh, about a book by Rebecca McLaughlin I, I may I think I've got that right uh, and it's called confronting Christianity uh, 12 hard questions for the world's largest religion uh, and if you see this around it's got a beautiful orange dust cover that has holes in it that me and me and John both have been talking about how frustrating it is to read because uh, your fingers get stuck in it when you're reading the book <laughs> uh, but very creative uh, and uh, yeah, so John, let me just ask you to start us off this morning. Um, why do we need to read books like this? Like some people may see this title and think, I don't know if I want to read that. Well, uh,
1: McLaughlin, the, type, the author here, um, uh, has taken a path uh, through her spiritual development that many folks, at least in our geographical area here in South Georgia, even here in, in the States, uh, her journey's been a little different. So it's good to hear her voice. And uh, she has she went through Cambridge. I think she has she got her um, PhD at Cambridge University, mm-hmm. and so she's a great thinker. She's in that academic community, and and, I, I, and the way I like to answer it is is with a catchphrase. I've heard other people say that uh, Christians are good at answering questions, but we're not answering the questions that people are asking.
0: Oh, that's a that's a really good way of putting it. And so
1: this book is asking the questions that need to be answered, and most likely. Um, these questions are the folks who are listening, uh, probably have, and and their their uh, friends at college, their roommates, their parents, uh, and so books like this help us ask the hard questions. She called them hard questions, um, and these uh, she's not the first one to ever to ask these questions, but it seems like we've got to keep coming back to these. It, it's a reminder, and so that's why we need to do that. We don't need just to read uh, um, stuff that just. Uh, uh, just kind of strokes our feathers, makes yeah. us feel touchy feely good. So uh, we need books like this to make us think.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. And, you know, I, I think back to what Scripture says about you know loving the Lord of God with you know all of our our mind. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, sometimes I think we uh, sometimes we engage not intellectually enough with thinking about. Things through on a more deeper level. Some of these questions she has, and this book's broken up into about 12 chapters on these different questions. And yeah. we're gonna, what we're doing, hopefully, is you know, every episode after this kind of intro episode is we're going to take one of these questions and talk about the chapter, talk about what she brings up in it, and we're not going to hit every single point that she brings up, but we're definitely going to kind of, you know, trickle down through it, see what it says, tell your thoughts. Um, hopefully, maybe some of you guys who are listening will pick this book up, read along with us, and, and kind of process it. So some of the questions are like, are, aren't we better off without religion? Uh, you know, does does Christianity crush diversity? Uh, isn't Christianity homophobic? Uh, hasn't science disproven Christianity? Uh, how can you take the Bible literally? Uh, and a bunch of other really good questions that, uh, I think what you said is really correct, John, like questions that people are asking, uh, who are far from God. Uh, and especially in 2020, it seems like a lot of this stuff has risen to the surface.
1: Well, a lot of people are asking these questions because they are far from God. They've, they've never read the scriptures, haven't ever sat under good biblical teaching, but also uh, a lot of folks are hearing these questions and they don't know how to answer them. Mm. You know, some of the questions she asks uh, that we'll be dealing with as, uh, Uh, doesn't the Bible condone slavery? Mm. I was in a meeting not too long ago here in Statesboro where somebody in a public forum said, well, you quote the Bible, you know, the Bible has been used to condone slavery. And oftentimes um, Christians don't know how to respond, don't know how to answer. We're sort of like deer in the headlights. So she does a great job of saying, here's the question, and gives some great biblical and some research-driven answers that not only answer the questions people are asking, but they they equip believers to know here's a way you can answer those questions uh, and and so it's a good tool, and I look forward to walking through these twelve questions, and uh, she's an excellent writer, and like you, i I recommend this book uh, uh, on any number of levels, uh, yeah. and so we need books like this back to back to the point you made to make us think, kind of stretch us, and really have to help us uh, kind of kind of think through. What are the biblical answers? And sometimes people have misinformation. And one, the one thing she does really, really well is setting aside the the misinformation that people often buy into. And yeah. a lot of times she deals with data, statistics. She takes a global approach. She's not writing just the American South.
0: Yeah, yeah. And t-
1: too often our view of Christianity is what we see within a 100-mile radius. Mm,
0: that's very true. And she has
1: a global perspective. One good thing about uh, the rising generation— is uh, they, they have a global sense. That they're part of a global community, and, and she writes from that perspective, and that's good for us because sometimes we get insulated down here in the American South, and we think the world is all just like us when really we're just a small section of the world, and she does a great job reminding us of that.
0: Yeah, exactly, and, and I think you know one point that comes to my mind on that, talking about like a more of a global mindset, because she is English, British, um, and I think she's in the States now teaching, uh, but... Uh, one of the things I, I thought she said is when she came uh, to America and it was in the South, all of a sudden started hearing all this stuff about the you know, Christianity know, be associating with, uh, with racism. And uh, she was just so shocked. I remember her uh, at one point in here, and this is, we'll talk about this more depth when we get to that chapter. But at one point I remember her making a point that uh, you know, the new Testament is one of the most uh, anti-racism text probably ever, I mean, it, that theme right. runs throughout scripture. Um, I, I just think about, uh, you know, Jesus' story about uh, the Good Samaritan, uh, and, you know, and that mm-hmm. idea and all these other things. And, and I think you're right. Sometimes we get in our own little bubble and we forget right. that uh, the other perspectives help us a lot. Um, well, that's
1: a great illustration when, when and, and, and a couple episodes from now, we'll really kind of touch on that, but it's a good illustration about this global perspective about racism and the Bible being used to condone slavery. Um, it is true that particularly in America's past during a a, a defined period of time that many times Christians and, and churches condone slavery, quoting Bible verses incorrectly, mm-hmm. misinterpreting them. Yes, that's true. But since the dawn of the New Testament and across the globe, uh, that's really not been the norm. Yeah only for that uh, drastic period of the American past where people misused the scriptures. But that has not been what the, the, the New Testament church has done. Matter of fact, Christians have used the scriptures to fight against uh, racism and slavery and discrimination. And we have to remember that even though um, the American church, so to speak, over the last several hundred years fumbled and stumbled through that, uh, God's people, the body of Christ, uh, by, five, by uh by most every every means, has gotten it right. Yeah, and McLaughlin in her book reminds us of that. Uh, so um, she she takes a, a wide perspective, and that when the Bible is interpreted correctly and and applied uh, uh, wisely, it's not used to condone slavery or racism. Just the opposite. It, it the Bible is a freeing book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we here in the American South uh, we have to remember take a kind of a global more. Um, um, centuries-long perspective on that. But that's a great discussion. We don't want to jump ahead of yeah, the curve. Yeah, sure, there. <laughs> sure. There's more
0: content coming on that. Uh, you know, I think another reason talking about just kind of the why behind this is, you know, we here in Statesboro, we have Georgia Southern University, you know, 25, 26,000 students. Uh, I was literally looking, I, I, we just moved here, just for anyone who's listening who, who may not know. And Everybody was joking about uh, we came here in July and that the entire city was going to change once all these students showed up. I did realize that the population basically doubles when we have this massive influx of college students coming in. Uh, and I know for me, at least, talking and spending time with these college students, they're asking a lot of these questions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on both sides, whether they're they're trying to, you know, one point she makes in this introduction was this idea that. Uh, you know, a few decades back, we thought that religion by this point would just be gone. To, oh, well, Sorry, no, that's jumping ahead. Sorry, we're, we're gonna talk about the first chapter. But but I think people are asking these questions about what they believe, especially right now in 2020 with COVID being here and with us all having abundance of time on our hands. Yeah, uh, We find ourselves trying to think about, you know, wh- why is all this happening in the world and trying to figure out what we view. And, you know, in some ways, this book's very apologetic, and also, but also I kind of view it almost in more, more of a worldview, helping us understand how our mm-hmm. Christianity uh, and what we believe affects every area of our life.
1: Uh, yes, and, and you mentioned with college students, questions they have. It's been my experience, and you can tell me at Georgia Southern University if you think it's true, and um, uh, that you always got the extreme. Some on one far end that simply says, well, the Bible says it, I believe it. Yeah, and they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to ask hard questions. They don't want to hear any dissenting opinions. And you got the other end of the of the spectrum that that people have said you, you you're a bunch of crazies. You you believe that you believe in myths and legend. You know, shame on you. You're just you live in a delusion. Yeah. But most people are not on the most people are curious. They want to talk about these things, whether they're a believer or they're not a believer. They'd like to know you know uh these questions that she's asking they they want to know do, does the bible condone slavery uh, uh isn't christianity homophobic and what about gender issues and what about all the suffering and heartache in the world mm-hmm. most people would love to have some open and honest conversations and i think um if the students of georgia southern university or anything like students elsewhere the vast majority would say yeah let's let's talk about this let's yeah. not jump to conclusions let's don't Draw up on one extreme or the other. Let's let's dig into it, and uh, hopefully through thinking and 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 love and kindness, these kind of questions uh, help us to uh, parse through things that need to be considered.
0: Yeah, no, I agree, and I think you're right about Southern students. Like I, I've in my time here and hanging out with them, they they do have that, and I think I think that's a great point that a lot of times we end up landing on a, more of a defensive approach when we talk right. about stuff like this instead of a cur- being curious and. And I think that um, being curious in these things is, is good and, and can lead us to even deeper faith uh, and trust in the Lord when we do this. The author even says to the point of this, and, and I really like this. this is in her introductory to the chapter. she says this is that the, her purpose of the book that she would say is, is this, and this is quoting her, if, if you have questions such as uh, what about science, suffering, sexuality, what about the Crusades? How can you say there's one true faith? How can you take the Bible literally? Doesn't the Bible justify slavery? How could a loving God send people to hell? Uh, if you resonate with these questions, this book is for you. Uh, and I think that's really good because she even goes on to another point and kind of, I guess, the next question I have for us to talk about is, you know, <clears throat> sometimes we as Christians like to just to give very simple answers to these questions that are, that are complicated questions. Um sometimes we like to just you know when it comes to the answer of you know is is uh, you know do we need religion at all? We would say, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we do. And we don't talk about any more of it than that.
1: And then often we'll draw up and say, and if you don't believe that, shame on you. Yeah, yeah, Discussion exactly. is over.
0: <laughs> uh, and our culture as a whole is like that right now, too. We're very polarized. Like, it's very much like you have to agree with everything and not question and, and be curious about other things. Like, you have to agree to just check off, say this, and if you doubt it at all... Shame on you! And I, right, I don't know. Right. Uh, what do you think? I, I feel like the Lord doesn't have issues. God doesn't have issues with us asking questions and, and working through some of this stuff.
1: Well, when you when you see the the arc of Christian history, you see that when people grapple with these kind of questions, uh, the Lord does great things and and, and spiritual movements happen. Yeah. And uh, whenever we just kind of sweep these things under the carpet. Then religion and faith and Christianity become just uh, artificial shells. Uh, I remember I grew up in the seventies uh, and eighties. You know, whoa, back back in the day. Yeah, before <laughs> the internet. Before the internet. Before
0: podcasts. <laughs>
1: yeah, our our internet was we'd fold a paper note and slip it in somebody's locker. You know, that was that was email back. <laughs> we in the did day.
0: that in high school for me too. Okay,
1: <laughs> but uh, I remember the day people didn't ask these questions. It was like, well, how dare you ask such a question? Don't you believe? Mm. And I think um, the, uh, like the body of Christ, like the church often does, the Holy Spirit does some self-correction. And so the Holy Spirit is drawing us back to these hard questions. And so that's a good thing. It's uncomfortable at times oh, yeah. because we maybe don't know the answer and we haven't wrestled with these things ourselves. So, um, so, but simple answers usually don't satisfy believers and they definitely don't give the information that non-believers who are searching... And so we need these hard questions. Uh, And people ask Jesus hard questions. Yeah, yeah. And he was able to answer them. And that was what some of the appeal was. He didn't just give pat answers and say, how dare you for asking that question. So I'd say to to college students, ask away. Explore your faith. And it's a shame that sometimes in religious communities, whether it be a church or campus ministry or maybe a, a Bible study, we We maybe have inadvertently, if not purposefully, created an environment where students are afraid to ask these questions. Yeah. you know let's say you're having a Bible study and a student says, "Well, I really have some you know how could?" of the, the Almighty God come down as a man named Jesus? I'm not so sure that man named Jesus really was God. In mm. some Bible studies, people with their mouths will drop open and say, how dare you?
0: Yeah, yeah. But we
1: need to have those environments where students or moms or dads, anybody can say, here's my question. I'm really struggling with this. Uh, and so that's that's important to have that kind of uh, experience to engage people learning that way.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a really good point. I think back to um, Reggie Joyner who's uh, the head of Orange Conference, Mm -hmm. which does a lot of curriculum for next generations for kids and youth. Um, I remember him saying one time at a conference I was at that uh, the church should be... The church should be the safest place to ask any question. Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree with that. But it, but it is culturally though. I I remember being a kid that there were like some questions that would come on my mind that I'm like, oh, I can't ask this in church because right. God will hear me here. That's right. Because somehow God hears
1: you better when you're in church, or than somebody will shame you for asking that question. Yeah, exactly. Well, shame on us for shaming people. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. No, I I think that uh, I think to this, and we were even talking last night in our discipleship group about this a little bit that sometimes when you answer with very simple questions, very hard questions that people, especially unbelievers that are are kind of, kind of, you know, wrestling with, uh, you almost dismiss them. And and you almost have the, it almost becomes this attitude of, oh, I mean, you're having a hard time with this question, uh, but really that's just because you just don't get it. And you know what I'm saying? It's it's somewhat insulting in that way. (laughs) And I found that, that, like, sometimes you just have to be respectful to understand that, you know, I I know for me, you know, I've been following Jesus for 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 a long time. It feels like, uh, and I, sometimes I forget that like once I was once lost, and 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 some of the questions that just seem so so obvious to me now were not obvious when I was younger and and still growing and and before I was even a believer. And uh, sometimes I have to remember that um, and and have grace in that and point people to the truth in grace. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, well, you've heard me say in some of my uh, messages here at First Baptist Church Statesboro that uh, I'll say something like, if you're here this morning and, and, and you got questions about who Jesus is, and you're not sure the Bible can be trusted, or you're not sure that uh, the Christian faith is really authentic, I'll say, then you're in the right place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's you're welcome here. We, you know, I, I have a friend who uh, did a series or something that said, skeptics, welcome. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and let people know this uh, this ought to be a safe place for people who are who are curious and not certain this is where, where they come and learn um, and 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 the good thing is biblical Christian faith does have the answer to these questions. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. Don't be afraid of the questions. Now, what we're afraid of is our inability to answer them.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: But, but biblical Christianity does have some rock-solid answers to these questions, and so we as believers have got to lean into that and, and celebrate
0: that. Yeah, I know for me it's a pride thing a lot of times that my issues with this stuff is not uh, not so much the fact that there aren't answers, but I have a hard time being like, I don't know. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> and yeah. so so the Lord's working on me with that. Um, one thing that her introduction does that I really like, John, I, I'd love to get your thoughts on, is she she almost contrasts John Lennon and Martin Luther King in right, this unique right. way. She opens up the chapter introduction talking about uh, John Lennon's, uh, you know, uh, song Imagine. and oh, this, yeah, yeah, This idea that it seems like a lot of the world has is grabbed onto that uh, nothing to kill or or, or die for. And I, I want to say that I think the Beatles are awesome. Don't be wrong, like, musically, I play guitar and stuff like this. But I his you're, idea— You're a
1: Beatle fan, aren't you? Yeah,
0: for sure. I'm a good music <laughs> fan. That's am so. a Beatles
1: fan. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah.
0: But, but in his song, Imagine, he has this idea of, you know, imagine something where there's no country, no hell, no heaven, mm-hmm. uh, nothing to kill, nothing to die for, no religion. Um, and, you know, I think part of us thought that— you know, twenty years ago, uh, that was where the world was heading. But it seems like, in, in a lot of ways, religion is still around. Um, and, and another thing I think she said, and I'm just I'm going to read this straight off. And this is how she closes the thing. And uh, she's contrasting John Lennon's idea of imagine with with something that Martin Luther King said. And it goes this: John John Lennon dreamed of a religion free world where there would be nothing to kill or die for. MLK preached an antithetical message that there are some things so dear, some things so precious, and some things so eternally true that they are worth dying for. And I submit to you that if a man has not discovered something that he will die for, he isn't fit to live.
1: Well, what Martin Luther King realized is that a faith or religion that has easy solutions and pat answers isn't worth dying for. Yeah. But when what what Martin the reason Martin Luther King was willing to put his life on the line wasn't only about uh, civil rights change and, and such, but he had a, a deep abiding faith. Yeah. And um, he, he knew that the complicated issues of the nineteen sixties ultimately could be solved because the Christian faith would bubble up and make a difference in the world. And that was something he was willing to to put his reputation, his time, his energy, and ultimately his own life, and so Martin Luther King didn't do what he did and live the life and the death he experienced because he found some easy answers and some simple solutions. Yeah,
0: exactly. What he
1: didn't buy into the well, the sense was, um, and there are a lot, many people far more. Um, Familiar and more scholarly about the life and work of Martin Luther King Jr. than I am. But it seems to me that uh, he would not have bought in, as McLaughlin says in her book, he would have not bought into the imagine there's no hell, imagine there's no heaven, nothing to kill it, the John Lennon imagine. He was saying, yes, there is something to stand for. There is something to live for. There is something to die for. And it's not the simple solutions of many people's Sunday morning Christianity. Sounds like I'm getting into a sermon here. I don't mean to. Yeah, yeah, no, listen. But but, um, if you're going to ask people to lay their their lives down for something, it's got to be something that uh, they put their their teeth into, their heart into, and even their brain into. Yeah. And, And McLaughlin's book does an excellent job. Working through these twelve questions that uh, confront Christianity.
0: Yeah, I agree, and and you're one hundred percent right because I think that a lot of people would like if belief believing in something, you know, right, right, trickles down to what we actually do with our world. So if you if you fall on the Lenin side of thing that there's there's no no diver there's no religion there's no war there's no no none of this, uh, then life. What's, what's the purpose then? You know what right, I'm saying? Like, right. like I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm with Martin Luther King on this. Like, there are things that are precious and enough that are worth believing in enough that you're willing to, to die for that. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, the kind of thing I guess I want to kind of wrap up and, and talk about uh, before, as we wrap this show up, is, is this idea that, you know, Christianity is the largest religion in the world. Right, um, it, and it's growing. Like we may not feel like it's growing as much in America, but globally, it's growing even now. Uh, and you know, is it is it the best hope for the world? Um, and you know, I, I think that for me, I, I would say a resounding yes. And I think that this book really lays out a pretty compelling reason why Christianity is intellectually as well as you know faith based the best hope for all these problems that we're dealing with in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, the the short
1: answer, when people say, is Christianity the best hope for the world? And the short answer is simply, yes, it is. But then the hard question is, why?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Why? And then the 12 questions that McLaughlin works through and that we're going to do over these next episodes of the uh, pod- 108 North podcast is uh, is why Christianity is the best hope of the world. Mm. And really gets down to that That at the end of the day, uh, these questions are important about diversity and about uh, uh, extremism, violence, uh, does the Bible denigrate women, homophobia, slavery, racism, suffering? But really, underneath all that is a question of the human heart. Mm. And Christianity, the reason it is the best hope for the world is because beneath these difficult questions, uh, biblical faith addresses the issue of the human heart. Mm. And that's the reason a biblical faith taught in the scriptures, exhibited by Jesus, and when correctly taught and modeled by today's church, indeed gets to the heart of the matter, as people say, which is the heart.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's so well said, John. So well said. Well, guys... Thank you all for joining us for this, you know, start off episode of our podcast 108 North. Uh, We're really looking forward to diving into some more of these episodes throughout the rest of this year. A few things as we kind of wrap up today, I want to plug. We. Uh, are here in Statesboro, Georgia, uh, downtown, uh, off 108 North Main Street. Uh, That's what we named the podcast after. So uh, we would love for you guys to come spend time with us. We know that COVID's going on, but we have a a, a fairly large worship center, and we've socially distanced out everyone, uh, and we'd love for you to come worship. We have worship every Sunday morning, three services right now, one at 8 a.m., one at 9.30 a.m., and one at 11 a.m. They are all the same services. Uh, John does a phenomenal job. Uh, preaching the Word every week, uh, uh, as well as college ministry. If you're a college student listening to this, we have a Bible study every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Uh, uh, we usually try to encourage people to go to the 930 worship service and then come hang out with us. We do roundtable discussions talking about the Bible. And then uh, we're also meeting for the, through the rest of 2020 on Sunday nights at 6 p.m., uh, here downtown in our fellowship hall. Uh, and we're, we're actually going to be diving into some of this stuff we're talking about right here. Uh, some of these harder questions and, and talking about what we really believe and why we believe it. Uh, and just, uh, spend some time together, obviously socially distanced and safe. We've got, uh, the blessing of having a, some large facilities so we can do that. So John, thanks for being with me this morning.
1: Glad to be here. I look forward to taking this journey with you and yeah. look forward to folks, uh, listening and sharing the, uh, 108 North podcast. And, uh, Helping folks uh, on their journey with Jesus.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, you guys have a wonderful day. We will catch you next time. Peace.